I want you to go ahead and turn what is going to be our closing hymn today, 593. Don't get excited. We're not going right to the closing hymn just yet. 593. When the new hymnal came out in 1989, I just got out of seminary, and this was a new song at that time in the hymnal. It's one of my favorite that was included in what was then the new United Methodist hymnal. Here I am, Lord. And some years ago, uh, I was at a conference, and they taught us some hand motions, some gestures related to the refrain. And so the refrain is what I'd like to use uh, for the theme song, if you will, theme music related to this particular message today. So just have that handy. We're going to practice uh, the refrain in just a moment, and I want to share those hand gestures uh, with you uh, as well. Uh, I don't know what you think of when you think of uh, someone who is called. The Bible is full of stories about God's call to people. And this year we wanted to look at, as we began a new year, look at some of those stories related to how God calls people and look at what, it is, what does it mean to live a called life. Now I want to say up front, and I've said this in weeks past, the called life is not just for clergy and religious professionals. I hope we all understand that and can affirm that. A called life is not just for young and those starting out in life. I firmly believe someone who is retired can live a called life just as much as the person beginning college. Anyone in any profession at any time can live a called life. A life lived on purpose, a life with some sense that God is leading you and working through you. Now we began this series back on the first Sunday of the new year with Epiphany. We began with the call of the wise men. Last Sunday, Pastor Paul, during our bicentennial celebration, helped us understand the call of our baptism. And today we're looking at one of my favorite call stories in the scriptures, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8, the call of Isaiah. And for those of you who are able, would you please stand and honor the reading of this call and of the proclamation of the gospel. Oh, we're to practice first. The refrain. Now listen uh, for the word of the Lord, the call of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, we're talking 742 BCE, the threat of the Assyrians from the north is what is concerning to the southern Judah. Isaiah is prophesying, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of God's robe filled the temple. Above God were seraphim, with each six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. 
And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of God's glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorpost and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I love this call of Isaiah. And I want to suggest to you that it gives us three prerequisites to a called life. Would that be all right if we look at the three prerequisites to a called life? You're saying, well, you're the preacher. Why don't you know? We don't ever get to vote on these things. So uh, let's look at these three prerequisites to a called life. The first prerequisite is this. The number one prerequisite to someone who leads a called life is this. Your encounter with the holy, your encounter with God's call makes you feel inadequate. This is Isaiah in the fifth verse. Woe to me. Isaiah has been in the presence of God, and this is when he says, I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips. He was a prophet, and so what came out of his mouth, this was his ministry, this was his life, and so he understands that he has unclean lips because things he says he wish he could take back. And so he says, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, and he would have understood as all of those forefathers and mothers from the Old Testament period, they understood if you even saw God, you could be killed. You couldn't stand it. And he is like, woe is me. This is not where I need to be. And Isaiah's sense that we see here, his sense of unworthiness, his sense of incompleteness, his sense of inadequacy, friends, is the first prerequisite to a called life. He is characteristic of those who live a called life. Think about it. Remember Moses? Moses was so eager, wasn't he, to go to Pharaoh, so eager to speak for God. No. What did Moses say? Look, I can't speak. I'm not good with words. We're not sure if he had st stuttered or... Or what? We don't know. We just know that he felt so inadequate to the task. And he said, God, you need to get somebody else. My brother Aaron here, he'll serve fine. And then there was Gideon. Remember Gideon to lead the armies of God. And Gideon said, look, it's not that I don't want to lead them, but, you know, I come from the weakest family among the tribes. My family is the weakest. 
And Jeremiah, you remember Jeremiah, it's not that I don't want to be the prophet of God, but Lord, you have to understand I'm so young. Who is going to take me seriously? And the Apostle Paul, what, what April read is our first lesson. I love this of Paul. He says, consider to those Corinthians, consider your own call. And he's not trying to be mean or cruel, but he says to them, sisters and brothers, not many of you, not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were powerful. Not many of you were noble of birth. But, and then he says three times these wonderful words, but God chose. God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world. Things that are not to reduce to nothing. Things that are so that why? Why would God choose so strangely, so curiously, so upside down in our own thoughts and minds? Because, Paul said, so that no one, I don't care who you are or where you're from, no one might boast in the presence of God. Friends, I'll tell you the truth. If you ever meet the person who says, you know what, man, God's call on my life has always been so overwhelming, so powerful, so crystal clear, so obvious. You know what? I can honestly say this. I have never had a second of doubt. I've never had a second of fear. I've never had a second of second guessing. It's just been so clear to me. If you meet that person, I would instruct you, avoid them. Avoid them at all costs, because that, according to the scriptures and the way that God chooses, that is a very dangerous person who will eventually hurt someone, and usually in the name of God, or the name of Jesus, or the name of the Holy Spirit. You see, the only people, we see it here in Isaiah, the only people who live truly called lives are people who first feel the inadequacy, the weight of the call. The only persons, you've heard me say this before, the only persons who should ever preach are people who are terrified of preaching. I believe that. It used to bother me when I first started out. I've been preaching almost 40 years. And every Sunday, I can tell you, after 40 years, every Sunday, my stomach is churning. My palms are sweating. And it's as if it's the first time that I have to stand before people and try to say something that intersects the Word of God with the lives that we live. And it bothered me until... Our preaching professor said to us, he said, if ever you stop being nervous, you need to quit. You need to stop. And so, friends, nobody should teach the Bible who isn't afraid of teaching the Bible, in my opinion. Nobody should lead a small group who isn't nervous about leading a small group. Nobody should pray in public or visit the sick or try to work with the homeless, George who isn't fully aware, my goodness, 
there's no way I can do this if God doesn't help me. And so this sense of inadequacy, this sense of unworthiness, friends, is not, it is not a sign that somehow you've missed your calling. It may very well well be the sign that finally you have stepped up to your calling. It doesn't mean that you're on the wrong road. It finally might mean that you have suddenly entertained taking the right road. The first prerequisite, and we see it beautifully here with Isaiah, for the called life is some sense of incompleteness, some sense of inadequacy. If you're waiting to feel just so super ready to do something for God in the world, you haven't understood. You haven't understood really what's involved. Isaiah says, woe is me, man. I am ruined. I've seen God, and I know who I am. That's the first prerequisite. The second prerequisite is this. The second prerequisite is that we have the capacity, the called life has the capacity to accept God's grace that is stronger than your weakness. The second prerequisite is that God's grace is adequate. You're able to embrace that and to sense that deep within your soul, that God's grace is adequate for your inadequacy. This is what we see in Isaiah so clearly. He knows who he is. He knows that he is not up to what God is calling him to do. But in that sixth verse, he pays attention because in the sixth verse, one of the seraphim, one of those angel creatures flies to him. And he has a live coal, we're told, from the altar of God. And he touches Isaiah's lips and he says to, he says to them, him, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, your sin, your incompleteness, your inadequacy is atoned for. And in that moment, in that moment, friends, I suggest that Isaiah, like all of us, has a choice to make. The choice is this. Does he believe? Does he believe in his own inadequacy, in his own sinfulness? Does he believe in his own brokenness more than he believes in the grace of God that can overcome and forgive his incompleteness? That's the choice. Can he hear the seraphim song, which I suggest was written in 1911, by Julia Johnson, can he hear those seraphim singing in the temple to him and to you and to me, any of us that shy away from the call of God? Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is what? Grace that is greater than all our sins. In this moment, Isaiah has a decision to make. Will he or won't he believe, as someone has rightly said, God, friends, God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. 
Can Isaiah accept what the Franciscan Richard Rohr has so powerfully and truthfully put forth? The gospel, the gospel, dear ones, the gospel is not about how bad you or I are. It's about how good God is. Can I get an amen? I mean, that's, it's not your badness, your incompleteness, your inadequacy, your lack of perfection. It's about the grace of God. And so prerequisite number one, there's always going to be, almost always, this sense of inadequacy and incompleteness if you're trying to live a, a called life. But secondly, there's always going to be that choice that we can make to to accept the grace of God that allows us not to be paralyzed by the inadequacy, by the fear, by whatever it is that's keeping us from answering God's call in our life. And that leads to the third prerequisite. The third prerequisite to a called life we find here in Isaiah's call. The third prerequisite is that finally accepting God's grace is a way that allows us to accept the call God has placed on our life. Isaiah verse 8, it says, Isaiah then heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And by the grace of God, Isaiah says, Here am I. Send me. By God's grace, Isaiah overcomes his sense of inadequacy. By the grace of God, he accepts God's grace and believes that it's stronger than his weakness. And by the grace of God, he can now say, here I am, send me, I'm your man, I'm, your one. I'm the one, I can do this, I'll do that, I'll go there, sign me up. And Isaiah, he exemplifies this willing spirit a humble spirit. It's a spirit that understands the necessity to be connected to God's spirit or it's impossible to take the next step. And friends, that willingness, that uh, way that we finally say, here am I, send me, that, that is music to God's ears. That's the chorus that is always pleasing to God's ears. At the end of the day, you can write this down. At the end of the day, God has never used the most capable or the most qualified or the most equipped or the most educated or the most self-assured. That, according to what we find in these stories in the scriptures, God has never chosen in that way, but God has always called and has always been able to use simply those who make themselves available to God. God won't force you. God won't force me. God won't force any of us. It is not, it is not our capabilities that God is most interested in. It is our availability that God cares about the most. There's an insert in the bulletin that Jennifer, Jennifer Dickinson put this together for us. Jennifer, where are you at? She behind the post? 
she doesn't like to see me while I'm preaching, so she's by. I want people to know who Jennifer is. We mention these names, and sometimes you know who they are, sometimes you don't. But Jennifer has been working on some discipleship kinds of things in the life of our church. She's working so hard, and I just want you to know we, we want to help you grow in your faith. We want to help you connect with other people. We want to help you just live your faith in such a way that you really feel like you're being led by God in your life. And on this insert, there's some things that are coming up, some groups that Jennifer has been working on, and there's some different times of different studies and groups, and I want you to prayerfully consider that and to, to take to heart what those things are. On the other side, and this is the side of the insert that you said, well, I think the preacher set us up today. And I did. Because this is the call of Isaiah. What I asked the staff was, I said, look, what are some of those critical things right now? Maybe not critical, but what are, well, yeah, critical. What are those things that we really could use some help with that would really help us to be able to help other people in the life of our church? And you see those options here. There's some adult options of things. The bottom line is we've got to have other folks that will help us teach on Wednesdays or, or lead a Bible study at different times or, or perhaps facilitate a Bible study. And I can tell you the resources that are out there today, it's not that difficult. They give you everything you need. It, it's not something to be overly intimidated by any longer. And with the youth, there are options here related to our youth ministry to be simply another adult in the room as someone's leading things, to facilitate a group lesson or, or to provide a snack supper on a Sunday night. And then Kyle has listed a couple of things. We've got a very good problem. We've got too many preschoolers. And if you know anything about preschoolers, you do not want to be overtaken by preschoolers. And we've had to separate our preschoolers from our K through second grade in children's church. And we just need, we need some other people to help out in there, to either teach or to stand in and assist during that time. So folks, uh, this is a way for you to respond today. And what we're going to do when we sing our closing hymn in just a moment, we're going to give you the opportunity if one of these things has spoken to you or you say, you know what, somebody help me understand how to do this, I'll do that, I'll try that. If you're waiting for you to, to feel like, wow, I've got that mastered, you'll never, you'll never answer the call. So we want you to fill that out as we're singing. Uh, we have a basket in front of the altar and we would invite you to bring that up as, you, as we sing today. Friends, we simply need, every church needs, we need people who are willing to be available to God. We don't care what your capability is. We care about your availability and how you might use that. So the called life, the called life involves a sense of inadequacy. The called life involves acceptance of God's grace that helps you not be paralyzed by your inadequacy. And the called life involves making our lives available to God for God to use. And that's how any of us and only any of us can ever believe and sing and live these words of Isaiah. Here I am, Lord. Is
I will.